Bob graduated with a BS in mathematics with, uh, from uh, Clemson University and during a 20-year career in the U.S. Air Force earned a Master's of Education from the Troy State um, and an ED uh, from Auburn. After retiring from the Air Force in Colorado Springs in 1990, he operated his own statistical consulting business for 10 years before serving as Minister of Discipleship at a church in Alabama. Returning to Colorado in 2006, they, saddled, they settled in Monument and began to serve full-time with the Navigators. Bob is the regional leader for the Rocky Mountain region of, of Navigator Church Ministries, equipping ordinary people for ministry on the front lines and helping willing pastors do the same. He's ber- he has been working with us at CCP uh, uh, more intentionally, uh, for us to more intentionally uh, focus our efforts and our mission uh, to be disciples that build disciples. And he's been doing, we really appreciate him, uh, he's been doing some uh, really cool stuff. He's brought in uh, this new discipleship program for our church um, that myself, I have gone through the first book at least, and um, it's been very helpful in my own life uh, as well. And so I'm very honored, I get the privilege to, for, for Bob to come and speak with us this morning. So give him a little hand as he comes and speaks with us. Thanks, Bob. Some of that was true. <laughs> it's your job to figure out which. He didn't have to read all of it. But you know what? I, I, one of the reasons for uh, including uh, some of that in there is, is, is so you know that you know, I was a real guy. You know, I actually went to college and studied mathematics and served in the Air Force as a line officer. Uh, I, I think sometimes we think that the guys that stand up here are, are somehow different from everybody else, and, and maybe some of them are, but uh, but I'm not. You know, I'm just one of y'all, and uh, and and what I have to say is for everyone. Okay, so it's just fun to it's fun to be here, and uh, uh, my assigned topic today is uh, he told me Jesus walks on water, but I'm going to talk more about Peter. So it's going to be uh, Peter walks on water, which he did for a few steps, as we'll, as we'll see uh, in a minute. But before we can do that, we have to get to do our memory verse. And I, I, like, that, I like that this church does this. Uh, scripture memory is very important. And uh, so we're going to do Colossians 2.6. You have a card. It's going to be up here. And uh, to show you how easy scripture memory is, we're going to memorize this verse right now. It's not hard. So uh, we'll say it together, starting with the uh, reference. So we'll say Colossians 2.6. Say it with me. Colossians 2.6. So then, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in Him. Colossians 2.6. In the Air Force uh, in which I served, well, this verse will come back, by the way, in a minute, and you'll see why we chose to, to do it. Uh, in the Air Force, we, uh, walks on water was just a big deal. Uh, if you wanted to say somebody was really, really good, you'd say, that guy walks on water, or she walks on water. And, and when I went to look up what I'm going to show you here in a minute, uh, they're still talking about that. 
and they're still trying to figure out how to do a rating system that doesn't look like everybody walks on water. That's their big challenge. Because you get through reading a, a report on somebody that sounds like they all walk on water, which they don't. So uh, somebody, when I was on active duty, came up with uh, a little rating system uh, based on walking on water. And uh, it went something like this. If, if you were five, top of the line, then yeah, walks on water. But, but if you didn't quite walk on water like that, you say, well, he walks on water if the sea is calm. That, that, was, a, that was a four. And, uh, and if you were three, walks on water in indoor swimming pools, <laughs> if a lifeguard is present. And, uh, but but if, you're, if you're just a two, then he swims well. <laughs> and the ones just dog paddle. Uh, you know, that's, uh, yeah. But, but walking on water is just it's a big deal. And so this story, even though it's a short story, is... Uh, is, is, is a good one for us. And it's going to be in Matthew 14. Uh, you can turn there. If you don't have a Bible and you want one, there's a whole shelf of them right back there in the back where I got this one. And uh, if you need one, grab this. Uh, you know, a Bible like this is fun to get and take home and read and mark it up as you read. And, and then when you've marked it all up, put it on the shelf. Come back here and get you another one. Okay? And uh, so it's... Uh, but we're going to be in Matthew 14. It follows immediately after the uh, uh, feeding of the 5,000, which we talked about last week. Feeding of the 5,000 is in all four Gospels. And it, as the brother pointed out last week, it's the only miracle outside the resurrection, which is in all four Gospels. And then the next story, after the next thing that happens is just walking on water, which Luke leaves out. Don't know why, but uh, Luke doesn't have this story in it, so it's Matthew, Mark, and John. And I want to talk about Peter, because we all heard about Peter walking on water, and only Matthew records that. I was surprised. I thought it would be in the Gospel of Mark, because uh, the Mark's Gospel is kind of Peter's perspective. It's not in there. I don't know if Peter's embarrassed about this story or what, but but Matthew Matthew covers it, and... Uh, and so we're going we're gonna to read it here in Matthew 14. It's a rough chapter. You know, it starts off with John the Baptist being beheaded. And, and, and some of these disciples were disciples of John the Baptist. So they were, they were buds. And, so, and it was Jesus' cousin. So they're all a little bit upset about that. The disciples have also just come back from a ministry trip. So they're a little bit tired. And Jesus said, Let, let's, let's go off in the desert where we can rest. Well, they get out in the desert, and you know what happens. 5,000 people show up, actually more than that. And, uh, and, and so the disciples are tired, and, and, and they say, as you know, send them home so they can buy food. Which sounds better than send them home. <laughs> which, is, which is really the operative word there. Send them home oh, so they can buy food. Yeah, I mean, of course, because we care about the people. But really what they wanted was some rest. But Jesus instead takes those disciples and he makes, he makes ushers, waiters, and busboys out of them. You know, he says, have them sit down in groups of 50 and 100. That's, that's what ushers do. And then he said, serve this food that we've just, you know, just distribute this food. That's what waiters do. And then he said, now go pick it all up. That's what busboys do. So, 
So, so they had to work pretty hard. And then he put them in a boat uh, to cross the lake, and he himself stayed behind to pray. So that's, that's where we are when this, when this story starts. And I'm going to read the story, and then we'll take a couple simple lessons from it. And, uh, and that'll be that. So let's pray together. Lord, thank you for chance to be together. Thank you that we can look in your word. Thank you that all the stories are here, even uh, one in which uh, Peter kind of starts off well and doesn't finish so well, and, and, and you've left it there. Help us to learn today what you have for us. Help us, in fact, to keep our eyes on you. Pray that you would be the teacher today. And that we would hear what you need for us to hear. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, let me, uh, let me read. We're in Matthew chapter 14, beginning with verse 22. Immediately, Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. After he had dismissed them, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. Later that night, he was there alone. And the boat was already a considerable distance from land, buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. And I want to throw in a verse from Mark. Mark 6.48 says specifically, He saw the disciples straining at the oars because the wind was against them. I mean, that's a whole lesson right in itself. Jesus saw them. Now, He's up there praying. And sometimes when we, we're doing some spiritual activity like prayer, we don't pay attention to what's going on around us. And maybe we think it's even unspiritual to, to see what's going on after all I'm in communion with God. Well, at the same time Jesus is praying, he's also paying attention. We could do a whole lesson just on that. But Jesus sees them in distress. Okay, verse 25. Shortly before, shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them walking on the lake. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they cried. And cried out in fear. But immediately Jesus said to them, Take courage, it's I. Don't be afraid. Lord, if it's you, Peter said, Tell me to come to you on the water. Come, Jesus said. Then Peter got down out of the boat and walked on the water and came toward Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid and beginning to sink, cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You have little faith, he said. Why did you doubt? When they climbed into the boat, the wind died down, and those who were in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. There's a lot of stuff that we could do with this. It's a simple story. Jesus sees them. He goes to them. He identifies himself. Peter wants to walk on water. He's distracted. And Jesus catches him and then rebukes him for his lack of faith. And I'm sure, I'm sure the guys in the boat were saying, ah, good job, Peter, <laughs> you idiot. <laughs> to which the response was, at least I was out of the boat. <laughs> at least I tried. A couple lessons that I want us to think about for the next few minutes. If you want to walk on water, you got to get out of the boat. 
John Ortberg has written a book by that title. I like John Ortberg. I have not read, read that particular book, but, but it's, it's a great concept. If you want to walk on water, you've got to get out of the boat. And second thing is, you have to keep your eyes on Jesus. Because it says specifically, when he saw the winds, he began to sink. Now we could quit right here, except I want us to be clear what this might mean. What does this mean? Get out of the boat. What does it mean? Keep your eyes on Jesus. So I want to go through. I want to go through a couple, just some arenas, some some suggestions of some of the areas in which we might be able to jump out of the boat and keep our eyes on Jesus. We're going to look at something in daily life. We're going to look at what that means from the salvation message perspective daily disciplines, and daily mission. I knew I wanted to preach on this, and I knew I wanted to say, keep your eyes on Jesus, but seriously, when I first came up with that as an idea, I'm thinking, oh, what does that mean? You know, what, what does it mean? Keep your eyes on it. Easy to say. We could say it, and we could all write it down, we could all go out and say, mm, you know, but let's think for a minute about what it might mean. I thought about Marriage. This lovely couple on their wedding day, they just jumped out of the boat, <laughs> right? Because they had, life was going, you know, they had each other life and, and now they want to get married. And when you get married, you jump out of the boat, okay? I, a, friend of my, a friend of mine married for the first time when he was 50. And I saw him a couple months later. He looked shell-shocked. <laughs> I said to him over breakfast, I said, my brother, life as you knew it is over. Okay? It's over. He jumped out of the boat. And it's great. And there's high hopes. And you know what? If you keep building that marriage, as Zach said, we've been married 48 years. If you keep building that and you keep playing together and you keep having fun and you keep loving each other and you keep your eyes on Jesus then it's great. But what I'm seeing sometimes, more often than I'd like to see, is that's not what's happening. I, I, I know a couple that right now that, that uh, he, he had been married before. She left him. He had a, they have a son. He had a son. And, and he met this new gal. And she's younger and just graduated from graduate school. Lovely people. And, and, and they decided to get married. And they got married. It's great. There's an ex-wife in the picture. And every time she makes a demand, and every time she tries to change something with respect to the custody, and every time something like that pops up, then it goes from this to this. Because the new wife says, why are you letting her do that? And the husband says, you don't understand. We've got to do it this way. And all of a sudden... All of a sudden, they got their eyes on the problem. And they spend more time thinking about the ex-wife than they do keeping their eyes on Jesus and figuring out how to live together and, and working out their own stuff. Because you know, and, and I see this often. And if you keep doing that, you're going to sink. And you have a choice. You have a choice. You can keep your eyes on Jesus. You can keep your eyes on the love and the goal 
and all of the things you got married for in the first place, or you can watch the wind and the waves focused on the problem. So that's one small example. There may be other places in your life, other things that you jump into. Maybe it's a new job or any kind of something, and you get into it, and all of a sudden you focus on the problem. And by focusing on the problem, you take your eyes off Jesus and you don't get anywhere. So that's one, one place you might think about putting that into practice. I think it fits into the, into the gospel message as well. When we, when we say, you know, we're trusting in Jesus, we're following Jesus, what does that mean? How do we get into that? And there's a, there's a little process, there's parts to that. Uh, we say the first thing is you believe. And we believe Jesus is who he said he was. We believe he came and died on the cross for our sins. All the things Zach talked about a minute ago during communion. It's the kind of belief that, 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 that we experience in a very trivial way on our way up here. I dropped my car off at a body shop. And, and, and the body shop was not an industrial area. It was a garage at somebody's house. And there was no one home. And I had called the guy, and he said, oh, I'm not home right now, but, but just leave the keys in the console. <laughs> okay. And I got in the car, June's driving, we're coming up here, and she says, you're going to leave your car there? I said, yeah. Have you met this guy? <laughs> yeah, I've met him. I think he'll be fine, you know. And I called him on Tuesday. I said, uh, when you came back to work on Monday, was my car still there? And, uh, oh yeah, don't worry about a thing. So, next Friday we'll find out. But, uh, <laughs> but anyway, belief. Do I believe the dude enough to leave my car? And, and, and even the next step beyond that is the work. It's a body shop. I, I'm hoping it you know, looks okay when he's done with it. You know, uh, Belief. Belief in Jesus. Repentance, a turning, says in Thessalonians that they turn to God from idols. The turning to God comes first. And as you turn to God, there's a turning from, and we call that repentance. There's confession, says in Romans 10, if you, believe, if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart, God has raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. So confession. And then baptism, that's a great way to carry out the confession is in baptism. And I encourage you, if you're, if you're helping somebody and it's time for them to be baptized, they don't have to do it here. You can do it anywhere. And if you do it somewhere else, they can invite all their friends and they'll come. You say, oh, I'm going to be baptized. Would you come? Sure, if it's important to you. And you can, you can have a, make your confession during your baptism. And then discipleship is part of this process. It, Sometimes we get careless about that and we, we, we make it sound like steps and discipleship following Jesus becomes some kind of optional add-on. Well, you can do that or not do that. I mean, I'm working with a church right now where they completely misunderstand the word discipleship and think it only applies to pastors and missionaries. Say, I'm not, I'm not a disciple. I'm not a pastor or a missionary. They say, what have we missed here? You know? That discipleship's for everyone. In fact, let me, let me walk you through a little analogy and see, see if this didn't make sense. Go back to marriage a minute. Uh, the process of marriage, the first step is, that's the one. That's the one for me. That's the first step. And then, 
They say in the ceremony, forsaking all others. That's repentance. Forsaking all others. Let me tell you, I, I was participated in a wedding uh, last year. About this time, a friend of mine's daughter was getting married. I helped with the, with the ceremony. And, and a lovely young couple and, uh, you know, found out about eight or nine months later that guess what? He hadn't forsaken anything. He didn't forsake anything while they were dating. He didn't forsake anything when they were engaged. He didn't forsake anything when they got married. That's ugly. That's ugly. So repentance is very important. Uh, and then at the, at the wedding ceremony you say, confession. Do you? I do. <laughs> I do. There's the confession. And then what corresponds to baptism? They give you a ring. They give you now. You can go to the store and buy a ring and put it on. Doesn't make you married. Okay. But if you are married, that ring is a symbol, just like baptism is a symbol and a seal of something deeper that's going on. And then, what's really important is discipleship. And in marriage, it's the marriage. It's life together. Wouldn't it be silly if after the wedding day, the groom said? What that was a fun day. I'm going home now. And uh, dinner a week from Saturday, would that be okay? <laughs> no. No, we get, we get married. We go through the wedding so we can actually live together. As a pastor told me the other day, we were talking about this. He said, weddings are easy. It's marriage. It's hard. You know? But, but discipleship, we, can't, we don't want to divorce it from... You know, the whole process. So, so you jump out of the boat. You jump out of the boat and say, I'm going to follow Jesus. I'm going to believe in Jesus. I'm going to be baptized. You know, I'm going to confess. But then it's a daily process of keeping your eyes on Jesus that makes it worthwhile, makes it work. So, so there's another example. And as we walk with Jesus, there are disciplines and, and to get us into the subject of discipline, let me just talk about something really simple. Physical discipline. Diet and exercise. Bob, Bob, this is a church that serves donuts on Sunday morning. <laughs> what is this diet and exercise stuff? Just hang with me. Back in 2009, we were out here on vacation. And uh, I weighed, at that time, 25 pounds more than I weigh now. And I had a son getting ready to go to officer training school. And he was going to be commissioned in February. And I was going to commission him. At that time, I'd been out of the Air Force for nearly 20 years. And it's unlikely I could get into my uniform. So I had to jump out of the boat, right? Jump out of the boat and get into diet and exercise. Now, I've always exercised, but I like to eat. So, so I, I discovered something, and y'all be glad you came this morning. Okay, this is important. If you want to lose weight, you ready for this? Get your pencil out. You got to eat less and exercise more. Okay, you ready? Eat less, exercise more. That's how it works. I'd write a book on it, but nobody would buy it. Okay. <laughs> Because they want something different from that. But that's kind of how things work. But the way it really works is 
You got to eat less and exercise more day after day after day after day. You can't just do it once. And so you jump out of the boat and you say, yeah, shoot, I hate it when that happens. You jump out of the boat and you start, and sure enough, usually for the first couple of days, yeah, the weight drops off a little bit. And um, you get exercising. If you don't exercise too much, it doesn't feel too bad. And, but after a few days, what? It levels off. And then maybe it pops back up. I can show you a graph of mine. You know, it goes down, pops up, it goes down, pops up. And there's a tendency to want to quit. It, it doesn't work. Well, it works fine if you stay with it, okay? And so, so we've got to keep taking that step. We've got to keep our eye on the goal. And even when it appears that there's no progress, we keep, we keep moving. Well, I, I say all that just to introduce us to the spiritual disciplines. There are spiritual disciplines. That's why they call it discipleship. Because the word discipline is in there. I am, if you did, the, if you did some of the math while Zach was talking, uh, we are 70. I would like to say that stuff gets easier as you get older. I'm not sure that's true. Okay? <laughs> it's the discipline, the daily discipline. And it's fun to come here on Sunday. It's a great thing. We should come here. We should hear the word preached. We should worship God together and have fellowship with each other, eat donuts together and everything we do here. We have a life group. Maybe we meet during the week at somebody's home. But, but you can't do diet and exercise once a week and have it work. You can't do the Christian life once a week and make it work. They're daily disciplines. And... That's the same thing as jumping out of the boat. We get started, and then we keep our eye on Jesus, and we keep going. Hebrews twelve eleven, No discipline. Seems pleasant at the time, but painful. However, later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. The objective of the spiritual disciplines is not just so I can check them off. The objective, for example, of... You know, I log what I eat. I find if I write stuff down, it does better for me. So if I, if, I, if I write down what I eat, I write down how I exercise. That's not the point. You say, Bob, let me see your exercise log. That doesn't matter. It's what happens when you step on the scale. That's what matters. And our, our daily time with God is important. Spending time in the Word and prayer. And if you don't know how to do that, we, we can teach you. People in here can show you how to do that. I wish I could today, but I can't. Uh, scripture, memory, all of those things go together to what? Produce the fruit of the Spirit. You, you end up being more patient. You end up being more joyful. You end up being kinder. You know, you end up caring about the things of God. That's the transformation that occurs over time. So the disciplines are just a way to get us there. We memorize Colossians 2.6. Because, it says, as you receive Christ Jesus the Lord, continue to live your lives in Him. We jump out of the boat by faith. We continue to walk by faith. And rooted and built up in Him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught, and overflowing with thankfulness. That's the process. The process involves being strengthened. It involves being trained. And we have a course for that. And as Zach mentioned, uh, we have a, 
have a little discipleship training. It's one of many, but it's a good one. It's called Growing Strong in God's Family. It was the first book, and it used to be called the 2-7 series for this verse, Colossians 2-7. So Colossians 2-6 and 7 uh, is the theme of this course, and the theme of this training was just get you into the spiritual disciplines that will help you grow. Now, before I leave this topic, I just want to want to say it's not just it's not just discipline. Okay, June and I went on a hike the other day, and nobody told us we had to do that. We went on a hike because we wanted to. Sherry told me this morning, Larry. I don't know if you're up for this or not, but Sherry says that you and she are doing a twenty mile twenty mile hike tomorrow. Bless you, my son. You'll leave notification for your next of kin, right? Uh, but nobody, t- they got smiles on their faces. They want to do that. It'll be great. But that's what happens when we start off on a discipline and we get out there and do it. It actually migrates to delight. Okay, discipline proceeds to delight. And sometimes before you even get to discipline, it's drudgery. I don't want to do that at all. It's drudgery. But after you get into it, say, okay, I feel better when I. I feel better when I exercise. I feel, I feel better when I'm getting my daily time with God. You know, it goes to a discipline. And then after a while, it proceeds to delight. It's, uh, it's, it's very important. So we don't want to, we, we, we just want to get you started. In fact, every time I go, June and I come up here and we take a hike. And every time I'm in the park, uh, this, is what I, this is what I think about. I say, if the park service operated like churches do, we would all just go to an auditorium every week or so, and some park ranger would show us slides of the hike he'd been on that week. (laughs) But that's not what they do. They build roads to trailheads, and then they mark trails, and they improve the trails, and, and then they say, Y'all go ahead, and there's no entrance exam, there's no qualifications, there's, and every time we're on a trail, I see some people that I'm thinking, boy, if I were you, I don't think I'd be out here. <laughs> some folks are from somewhere else, <laughs> and they get up there, and they, you know, but you know what, they're out there. They're out there, and if they keep doing it, They'll get better, and they'll enjoy it. And if we had to decide who got to do it and who didn't, you know, nobody would go. And we just want you to, we just want you to take the hike. And the purpose of growing strong in God's family and any other discipleship training is just so, folks, take the hike. Don't just be satisfied with coming here and, and, and letting Aaron tell you about his Bible study. That's fun, and that's good. But, but I want to do my own. And I want to see what God has to say to me. That's the point. So we're going to jump out of the boat and we're going to follow Jesus. That's the, that's the idea. And as you follow Jesus, one of the things that you also want to think about, and with this we're almost done, is, is our daily mission. Say, oh no, Bob, they're always talking about that. They want us to go out there and do something. I don't know what, but they want us to... 
Let me tell you, this is easy. Let me show you an easy way to think about your daily mission. I'll tell you a story. Friends of ours, lady in Florida, name is Debbie. 60 years old, she's out riding her bicycle with another friend. The two of them are out on a bike ride, and uh, they're on a trail. And they, they get out there, and it starts to rain, so they turn around, and they're riding back home. And they pass a lady. And the lady's not looking too good. And uh, they said, can we help you? She said, yeah, I'm, I'm not from here. I'm from Canada. This is Florida. It's a little hot for my taste. And, uh, and she said, I don't have any water. And, uh, and, and, and Debbie said, we've got some water. And they gave her some water. And while she's drinking the water, they said, you know, we think God sent us here to help you. And, and, and let me tell you about the living water. And so they went on and had a conversation, a conversation which is still ongoing. Even though the lady lives in Canada, she comes to Florida, and, and she and Debbie have actually gotten together more than once to, carry, to continue this conversation. And, it, and if you think about it, what, what happened there? What happened there? Number one, be there. Where's there? Out on a bike trail somewhere. Could be anywhere. In fact, if you look at the stories of Jesus, and I haven't done a full analysis of this, but, but at least half of the miracles in the Gospel of Mark, I checked Mark because it was the shortest, uh, happen while, while Jesus is on his way somewhere else. You know, they, they happen in the course of, you know, just ordinary life. So be there. And when you're there, pay attention. Be there, pay attention. And then, do what you can. In this case, Debbie noticed that somebody had a problem, and she did what she can, gave her some water. And then, after giving her water, she was able to tell the truth. So, I mean, really, be there, pay attention, do what you can, tell the truth. It's fun to take that game plan and, 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 and read some of the gospel stories and see how, how Jesus did that. You know, woman at the well. Where is he? Samaria. Nobody even wants to be in Samaria. That's where he was. Pay attention. Here's a woman coming to draw water alone in the middle of the day. It's not done that way. So he does what he can. In this case, doing what you can is not doing a favor for her, but asking her to do a favor for him. Would you give me some water, please? Whoa. Do what you can. Start a conversation. And then tell tell her the truth, which he did. So look at some of the stories. It's kind of fun when you do that. Uh, and, and, and so much of it is, is and, and you ought to be praying before, after, during. Psalm 142.4, I look to the right and watch, but there is none who takes notice of me. There are people out there in your world, and they're saying, no one notices me. I've got a problem. No one notices. No one cares. Okay, Be the person that cares. Be there. Pay attention. And here's, here's a little girl in 2 Kings 5. It's the story of Naaman, the uh, Syrian general. And the second part of that, now bands, bands of raiders from Aram had gone out and taken captive a young girl from Israel. She served Naaman's wife. And she said to her mistress, If only my master would see the prophet who's in Samaria, he would cure him of his leprosy. Here's a little girl. 10 years old, 12, we don't know how old. She gets two verses of coverage in the Bible. (laughs) She's where she doesn't want to be. 
I don't know about y'all, if somebody had taken me, let's say when I was growing up, they'd take me to Moscow and put me in service of a, some communist that I don't even like, and he comes down with a dread disease, I'm going to say, yes! <laughs> I hope you die a slow and painful death! Uh, no. This little girl says, you know, we could cure that leprosy if you would see the prophet who's in Samaria. So be there. Pay attention. Do what you can. Tell the truth. If a little 12-year-old servant girl far from home can do it, I think we can do that. And it's jumping out of the boat. You have to jump out of the boat to do that. And you have to keep your eyes on Jesus to do that because it's not going to it's not going to work every time not the way you see it but we get to plant seeds we get to to sow so those are just some applications of some very simple lessons when you go home or talk to somebody tomorrow and they say what was church about yesterday you'll be able to tell them if you want to follow Jesus you got to jump out of the boat you got to keep your eyes on Jesus so on your green card and in your bulletin there are some places to make a commitment. As, as a starter, memorize Colossians 2.6. And the way we memorize it is just to keep... By the way, a minute ago we memorized that it. it only took a minute. But the retention is only a minute too. Okay? So what that means is you get to do it again. Okay? So when, when you go home, you, you, you look at it again and... And, and then after your nap, you look at it again. And then before you go to bed, you look at it again. And all we're trying to do is increase our retention. And retention is five minutes when you first start. But then it goes to an hour and then two hours. Before you know it, in a couple of days, you can say it in the morning. You can say it at night. And review it every day for six or eight weeks, and then you'll know it. So this is not rocket science. Uh, you can do it. Uh, we just did it. We just got to increase the retention on it. So we can read, memorize Colossians 2.6, read Matthew 14. Maybe you need to jump out of the boat and start following Jesus. Maybe you haven't done that yet. If so, please see Zach or some of the other folks here would be glad to help you with that. You may need to jump out of the boat and get discipleship. Maybe discipleship training. Maybe you thought it was for somebody else. It's not. It's for everybody. Walking with Jesus is for everybody. It's not, it's not hard. Okay? And, and we want to help you take the hike. So that, uh, that course is, is being offered even as we speak. They're finishing up. And it's going to be offered again in the fall. And uh, you beat on Zach and on Aaron until, until they offer it. <laughs> I, I kept talking to Sean this morning, who, who is teaching right now, Sean Gilliam. He says, we plan to offer it in the fall. I said, no, we don't plan to. <laughs> we, we offer it, Okay. So planning to doesn't get it done. So make sure somebody tell me if they don't do it, okay? I'll find You may be in a situation where you need to keep your eyes on Jesus. You may need to keep your eyes on the goal. Maybe you're already involved in spirit. You know what you're supposed to do. You, you, know, you know you're reading the Bible every day and praying and memorizing Scripture, but it just you know bogs down. Maybe you need to keep your eyes on the goal. And maybe you need to, like me, jump out of the boat and start paying attention to the folks around you, okay? So let, let's pray together. And uh, as we pray, I want you to take that green card and ask God, God, what do you want me to do? What do you want me to do? What's the, 
what's the thing you want me to carry away in obedience today, okay? Lord, thank you for this story. Thank you that Peter was gutsy enough to jump out of the boat, even though he didn't last very long. And you've left this story for us that we might learn to trust you and jump out of the boat and to trust you by staying out of the boat and keeping our eyes on you and not being overcome by our problems. Pray for each person here, Lord, as they're thinking right now and praying what they should be doing. I pray that you would lead them. Thank you for those who've already participated in some of the discipleship training that we've done here, and I pray that there will be you know, more. It would be normal for everyone here to be following you, helping others do the same, that we would in fact be disciples and build disciples, not just as a motto on our, on our bulletin and on our, in our paper somewhere, but that it would be something we actually live out. So we thank you for this church. Pray that you would bless it. You would make the people here a light to this community and that from here there would be disciples that are here and around the world because of the ministry that's here. In Jesus' name. Amen.